From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Welcome to a special edition of Gator Tales, presented by UF Health. I'm your host, Adam Schick. The dog days of summer can be brutal for fans who can't wait for the start of football, and on today's show, we can hopefully provide a small appetizer to hold you over. In the second installment of our special summer series that began with Scott Strickland in episode 89 and concludes with Steve Spurrier in early August, today we welcome Jim McElwain to the podcast for the first time. In two seasons at the helm of the Gators, McIlwain has led the Orange and Blue to back-to-back SEC championship games while becoming a household name in the process. We invited Coach Mack to join us on Gator Tales to go far beyond the usual questions about the perpetual quarterback battle and injury updates to paint a more complete portrait of the head coach of the Gators. As such, we begin our conversation by going back to the start of his story in Montana. You know, I was really fortunate, and I was the youngest of five, and the four uh, brothers and sisters are a bunch older than I am, so it's almost like I – I don't know if I was a mistake or not, right? <laughs> you but, haven't asked uh, yet? Yeah, but uh, <laughs> mom and dad were teachers, and uh, dad was a coach and administrator, and probably the backbone of how I was brought up is the importance of education. But more than that, um, had a key to both the grade school and the high school gyms, and uh, – Every time that I had, I'd go over and bounce the ball and try to put it in the hoop. So I know you have a, a thing for basketball as well. So is that yeah. kind of where that started? Well, yeah, I think so. And, you know, in Montana, the winters get pretty uh, long. And I uh, wasn't, a, you know, I didn't snow ski or hunt or fish or any of that stuff. So just being around it, I guess, you know, I mem- remember as a kid, just two freshman teams would play, the sophomore team would play, the JV would play, and the varsity would play. And as soon as grade school was out I'd just run over there and sat and watched every game that the Spartans ever had and uh, that was a lot of fun. So having being the the runt of the group there how do you think that influenced you growing up? Well um, you know the other ones uh, tested the waters all the way through right (laughs) they 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 softened mom and dad I think and uh, by the time I was there you know it was always interesting because you know even my dad he actually uh, some of my best buddies that that I grew up with and still stay in touch with. Uh, he actually taught their parents. Oh wow! So I thought I always thought that was kind of interesting. But uh, I was blessed. I, I I can't tell you what a great place the state of Montana is, and the people are real, and there isn't any. Uh, there's nothing fake about it, and uh, probably shaped who I am. At what point did football come in the picture, especially since early on you were really no, enamored with well, basketball? Well, 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 you know, you, you played everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it didn't matter. It's whatever season it was, that's what you played. And um, I had some unbelievable, called Little Grizzly was the program, some really good coaches. And uh, loved to play it. Um, won very good, and yet we figured out how to win a bunch of games. And, and uh, that was a good thing. And, you know, the football piece – you know, as a five foot ten inch uh, point guard, you know we're, we were a dime a dozen, <laughs> and uh, there were probably more opportunities uh, in football than than there was in basketball. And yet, it's about being able to go compete, and that's something that uh, I really enjoy. 
So many people talk about a point guard and a quarterback as being very similar in terms of their jobs. So being that you had a background as a point guard, is that what pushed you toward the quarterback position and, and shaped that? No, I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I uh, probably, um, and yet, uh, you know, it's about the things that you can do to help the people around you have success. And that was probably instilled at me, uh, in me in, it, at a young age. And, you know, those positions are probably the ones that you can do that. You, you got a chance, you, you know, you're touching the ball, you're, you're, mm-hmm. um, you got a chance to help the people around you become better and give them an opportunity to have success. And that's really what it's all about. In reading about your time in Eastern Washington, one of the things that surprised me was that Colin Coward was uh, one of yeah, your friends Colin. there. Did not yeah. know about that. So yeah. can you tell us about Colin Coward at that stage of his uh, life and what kind of relationship you guys you know, had? I don't think he ever went to school, you know, because <laughs> all I'd see him in the intramural gym every day. You know, and, and then what's that say about me, right? <laughs> so, Either one of you guys yeah, were in class. Yeah. But, uh, no, he, he's, uh, he was a unbelievable talented guy we had this rtv department there radio and television that he called every game you know for that i, I, I don't know it probably reached three homes i don't know <laughs> but uh at the same time he he did an unbelievable job and i just i remember him when we would you know watch you know in the afternoons you'd you know watch the cubs because they didn't have lights at that time and then mm-hmm. At night, then the TBS uh, broadcast of the Braves had come on. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's one of those guys that turn the sound off and call games. And what I learned from him in that is the descriptive nature in which you go about what you do. It's like watching a game on the radio. Mm-hmm. And I think Vin Scully was probably one of his best voiceovers that he could do. <laughs> and yet... He'd just paint a picture that made you think you were there and really talented in everything that he did and passionate. Good guy, man. Funny. Uh, in fact, I think he probably had a crush on my wife, to be honest <laughs> with you. So I know at the time you also you did some you did some PA work, is that right, when you were at Eastern Washington? <laughs> yeah. No, at a place like Eastern Washington, you you did everything. It didn't matter, and you know whether it was uh, selling popcorn and concessions you know because they needed help mm-hmm. um it, it didn't matter and i don't even know how that kind of came around <laughs> other than the fact that i probably got the short straw that day and uh enjoyed it you know like i said we we um you did whatever you had to do to to help it be successful mm-hmm. and uh there were a lot of different hats all of us wore at a place like that and uh but we won a bunch of games and, and affected a bunch of people's lives, and that's what made that place so special. How much does going through that experience of having to do everything and wear so many hats, how much does that still influence you today now that you're at a place like this with all the resources you could possibly hope for? Um, you know, hopefully it doesn't affect me at all, you know. I think maybe more than anything is is having an understanding on what all the people do and and how important it is mm-hmm. and and so really for me being a facilitator and more so just being supportive of and and understanding the things that they do are are what make us successful so i don't know i, I, <laughs> I got to say this there were a lot of good times so you know basically from 1980 to 1995 you know i was in Cheney, washington mm-hmm. uh 
I don't know. I think there was, well, there was one stoplight <laughs> in uh, the biggest buildings in town were the grain silos, you know, the wheat silos. <laughs> and, and uh, man, it was wonderful. And, and the people you meet, you know, just the different community people and, and, and that kind of stuff. You know, we played in dart leagues, bowling leagues, uh, you know, over 30 basketball leagues. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So where did coaching come into the picture? When did you first decide that was a, a route you wanted to pursue? Well, you know, Dad was obviously a coach. I grew up around it. And uh, one of these days when I grow up, I'll figure out what I'm going to do with my life. <laughs> I, I still don't know. And, and uh, you know, I've been really fortunate. I've been around great coaches, and they've influenced my life. And, and uh, that probably is kind of what it is. Um, you know, I still look in the – one ads every Sunday and realize I'm not qualified to do anything. But being around the players, being around the guys, uh, being around the staff, it's something that's special. And, uh, you know, along the way, you figure out how to win a game. And mm-hmm. probably the thing that I like best about it is, you know, there there are no participation ribbons in what we do. You either win or lose. And, and yet that's uh, a lot of that is, is real life, you know, mm-hmm. in, in whatever you do. And being able to help our guys have a chance to have success long-term is really what it's all about. When you first got started and, and you got the coaching bug, what did you identify as an area you were particularly strong in that could help you to be successful in this field? No, oh, I don't know. I mean, shoot, I'm not real successful in anything I do. It's just, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I, you know what? I like people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's something that, you know, as you kind of climb up this ladder, you, you got to be protective of whatever you do. And, and that's kind of the hard thing because I, I actually enjoy visiting with whoever it is, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, finding out about them and, you know, figuring out if there's some way that I can help them. And, uh, you know, someday some of that might, you know, give back. I don't know. But. I don't know, this is hard because I don't really like talking about myself. You know, I'll talk about all the bunch of other people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been really fortunate. I've been around great people. We've got an unbelievable staff here, really good people that care about our kids and, and uh, our players. And, you know, in the end, that's really what matters. So in 2006, after being in the college game for a while, you jumped to the NFL and spent a season with the Raiders. (laughs) What did you learn from that? What did you take away from the NFL that you maybe brought back with you to college football? Oh, I don't. You know, I don't. That was there a year, but in dog years, being at the Oakland Raiders, I guess I was there seven years. (laughs) Um, But um, no, it was. and, And you know, here's the great thing about that experience: I still to this day stay in touch with a couple people that are still in the organization Hmm. and they've actually turned me on to some guys you know that are actually part of our staff here um that have walked the hallways there in uh in oakland (laughs) and uh that was a that was a great experience and uh hard to explain how good it was but here's the thing in pro ball you, you you don't really have a chance to truly affect players lives you Mm -hmm. know I mean it's a job for them Um, they'll do anything for you as long as they know that it can prolong their career (laughs) you know and uh, and and some really good people I I enjoyed it and what it 
did was, you know, you don't have to worry about recruiting. You don't have to worry mm-hmm. about fundraising. You don't have to do any of that. Uh, it really helped me study the game of football. And I'll take that as, as probably what jump-started everything I did. So shortly thereafter, you connect with Nick Saban. You go to Alabama, which is where a lot of people started to find out about you. How did that first come about, and what do you remember about the early days getting on with Coach Saban and his staff? Well, you know, I went to Fresno State uh, as the OC with Pat Hill, mm-hmm. who, I mean, this guy, uh, he's the best now. And what he was able to do there, I think people are realizing now, after he's not there, you know, <laughs> it's it's fallen on hard times. Mm-hmm. But that there was, God, we had really good players and players that really cared and were passionate about it and that was a direct reflection on on coach hill but he and uh, coach saban actually coached together on bill belichick's staff at uh, the cleveland browns and i think that that connection is is has a lot to do with me ending up at at alabama and uh you know when coach called i actually hung up on him because i thought it was one of my buddies messing with me you know i, I didn't know even know what Coach Saban looked like, you know, and, and to think the University of Alabama have some interest was obviously flattering, and, and yet mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, it's a pretty good joke, you know. <laughs> and uh, I'm happy he called back, you know. Did he call back immediately? Yeah, yeah. He had his secretary call and say, hey, hold on. This is <laughs> actually Coach Saban's office. And, and I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> so. It's a very, very elaborate joke that they planned on you, right? Secretary, it, it, everything. No, well, but that's normal. I mean, you, <laughs> growing up where I grew up, you just bust each other's chops <laughs> every day and try to figure out, you know, how to get them. So I, I'm just glad that he called back, I guess. And uh, it was a great experience. And, again, uh, wonderful people. You know, it's interesting, the, all the stops along the way and, as, as my wife and I talk about, we, we, we talk about the people we collect along the way. Mm-hmm. And we have true friends from every single stop that we've been at. And uh, I think even the people here are shocked by the amount of people that come <laughs> through the office <laughs> to a game. And, like, you know, how are you connected, right? Right. And, and, uh, but we've been blessed. So many people have this image of Coach Saban as a curmudgeonly guy who doesn't like to have fun. Did you get to see another side of him? I'm oh, sure you did. What no, was that yeah, other side no, like? He's a, he's a, I, this guy's a really good guy. Uh, loves to listen to music. You know, he's a big Eagles fan. He really is driven to be successful, and yet, you know what? He 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 cares. And uh, you know, I, I'd say the testament there is, you know, all three of my children. Um, worked in the football office at Alabama hmm. and uh, after even I left and he took care of them and uh, you know really shaped their work ethic in what they were assigned to do and uh, one of the probably proudest things that I heard was uh, you know this last year uh, in Atlanta when we played him he offered up the fact that you know, my three kids were the best workers that they've ever had at, wow. at that office. And uh, you know what? That that makes you proud. So from there, you go to Colorado State. You get your first shot at being a head coach. I know coaches, when they get their first shot, 
they take a little bit here, a little bit there from all their experiences. So what did you feel like were the biggest influences on you when you had the chance to start your own program? Well, you know, I'll say this, I screwed that up, you know, <laughs> uh, and, uh, you, you know, you learn by trial and error. There is no book in uh, how to be a head football coach. There's no book. No one's written one, and mm-hmm. the ones who have, it fit them. Uh, I think one of the best pieces of advice I, I, I got in, uh, is you can't try to be someone you're not. So what I've tried to do is take a lot of the organizational things from the different stops. I had an old professor, Dr. Jim Wassum, when I was in college, that called it the cafeteria effect, <laughs> where when you go down and you pick a little piece of different things, mm-hmm. you know, to create your plate. And uh, the biggest piece of advice that I didn't follow, you know, that first year, I mean, it was rough. I was rough on people, and yet I learned uh, that, you know what, no matter what, you got to be yourself. And uh, that's what I've tried to do. So when you then took the job here, what did you learn? What, what were the biggest things that you saw from your time at Colorado State? You said, if I could start over somewhere, which you did, I would do a little bit differently. No, that that, that was a great – what I learned there was in, incredible stuff. Um, but then again, I'll say this, great people, you mm-hmm. know. And probably uh, what I – learned that I've tried to do is is let people do their job you know Mm -hmm. give them direction give them a road map but ultimately I don't know whether you know it's not to censor creativity Um, Mm -hmm. people are good at what they do let them do it and uh, that's kind of one of the things uh, you know I don't have any answer to anything I, I don't have an answer to look I am who I am but the one answer I probably do have is surround yourself with good people and uh, help them be successful. It's no different than leading the fast break, man. You push the ball up and you deliver it to the guys who can score, and uh, that's what I try to do in this organization. And part of that is finding the right players to put in the organization. And my question is, when you're looking at players, you're evaluating talent, there's things that everybody can see in terms of what they can do on the field. What are some things that maybe you and your staff look for on the recruiting trail that fans or people who aren't a part of the process wouldn't necessarily think about? Well, I think what people kind of don't see is fits. There's certain fits for the University of Florida that don't maybe fit at some other places. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? Um, You know, this is a highly academic institution. And it's important that we bring guys in that at least have a chance to be successful in the classroom where not saying other places are easier or whatever, but, you know, there's there's certain fits. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the key here is getting guys that are fits in Gainesville, getting guys that are fits at the University of Florida to help us be successful and um you know, I don't know. We've been okay for the last couple of years. <laughs> We've talked a bit about the differences between the, the small school, the big school, and, and what comes with that. After two years here, are there any things about being at a place like this that have changed your thinking in a certain area or maybe surprised you about leading a program like Florida? Um, you know, that's a great question. I um, No. <laughs> because... Yeah, the the rooms are bigger or the seats are nicer or mm-hmm. there's more people watching. 
but ultimately what we do is is we try to put people in position to be successful and uh that in itself is is what it's all about doesn't matter where you're coaching mm-hmm. and uh you know i hope i never become what i've seen some people become doing this mm-hmm. One thing that's only intensified in this era of social media is the pressure and the expectations from fans. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that? Because there's so many people that are invested in the success of this program and they want certain things. How do you deal with all the expectations that come from the outside? Well, I think first and foremost, um, knowing that each one of us have a chance every day to affect someone around them in a positive way, right? Mm-hmm. I know what we're doing. Uh, I know the limitations we have and, and the parameters that are built around being here. And uh, all of the negative, um, <laughs> I kind of get a kick out of because we're very secure in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a plan. We're, we're executing the plan. And really, I feel bad for those people probably more than they can ever know and it, does it get to me no <laughs> do I giggle at it a little bit yeah ultimately for me the personal attacks that may come on me I'm really okay with because it's not going on our players or on our staff mm-hmm. so take all the shots at me you want I'll protect our brand I'll protect our people and, and help them have a good day. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. I really am because uh, I know the work we put in and I, and I know what it is to be successful and, and we'll continue down that path. But the, you know, the personal attacks, I'm good as long as it's not directed at the people around me. Mm-hmm. I want to finish in a second by talking about some music with you. But before we get to that, I do have to ask you about this upcoming season. And at this point, when you look at your team, what do you see as the strengths going into the, the 2017 season? Well, I really like this team. Now, we'll find out in this phase five of our program uh, what they're willing to give of themselves to benefit others. Mm-hmm. Okay? And uh, that's when people are on vacation and these guys are out there in 100-degree weather choosing to get better. Um, I like the makeup of our team. I think finally the strength of our team will be in our offensive line, which is whew, when we got here we had four scholarship offensive linemen. Wow. And uh, and and that's not to say anything about what it it was kind of bum luck, you know. Mm-hmm. Some guys got injured and some guys went out early. You know, I mean it was it just it is what it is. And and uh, I think we finally gotten a position now of strength and and I'm really excited about that um watching us in the 15 opportunities we had in spring you know what we we're pretty fast I finally saw some flashes of what I think the University of Florida should be and that should be loaded with speed and and I think we have that now so you know with that um it'll be interesting I know this will um We'll show up. Uh, We won't dodge anybody. And yet in life, some of the best lessons you ever learn are in failure. And all great organizations have failed at one time or another. Mm -hmm. And yet uh, the key is is to have the majority of what you do success. And uh, 
we'll have that. We'll, we'll be all right. So as we wrap up here, I, I know how passionate you are about music. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk about just the role that that plays in your life on a day-to-day basis and, and where some of that passion comes from? Oh, I don't know. I, 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 it's just something I enjoy, I guess. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, um, I get a kick out of, you know, one-hit wonders. You know, <laughs> which ones? You know, there's tons of them, <laughs> and uh, I hate to say it because uh, when I do call a band out as a one-hit wonder, somebody will say, "Well, hey, they had another song," you know, and I'll go, okay, I got you. So <laughs> I'm not, you know, gonna go there. But uh, no, I don't know. It's just something I enjoy, and the music trivia is kind of big. I, I guess if they were to categorize. What I'm kind of all about is full of useless knowledge, <laughs> and uh, that's okay. You know, <laughs> we are who we are, right? Favorite artists? Oof. The, the, the thing you got to understand is, I mean, you, you, I grew up, you know, with mom and dad that, that, you know, I mean, you're talking Benny Goodman, you know, you're, you're talking mm-hmm. some of the big band era, and, and yet running with moving into the, you know, early 60s stuff that, you know, my brothers and sisters listened to and then probably grew up with uh, what people, you know, kind of make fun of. But let's call it the way it is. You know, I mean, shoot, I was in the disco era, man. <laughs> so, Any bell it, bottoms you know, involved in oh, that? Oh, heck yeah, Okay, man. good. I shoot, flyaway collars, <laughs> you know, a pair of shoes that made me six foot eight, you know. <laughs> I mean, so... Uh, it's something I enjoy, and it's something always been around, uh, you know, at our family uh, with my wife and the kids, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I think what's kind of cool is when I see what's on their playlists. Mm-hmm. You know what? I've given them something, uh, an appreciation for, uh, you know, knowing who Norman Greenbaum is, you know. I mean, that, that that's pretty cool. What have you given them, and then in turn, what have they given you in terms of music? Anything that really stuck that you tried to put on them, and anything that, that they've returned? Uh, you know what? I, I I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, I, I'm just so proud of my kids and uh, who they are and how they affect people around them in a positive way. And, and then when you get the compliments from other people about your own children, that that's something that, you know, just Karen and I are really proud of. And, and uh, you know, all I want is... Uh, them to be happy in uh so far they're pretty happy well we're very happy they took the time to talk to us thank you so much for spending some time here all right man thanks